Amen. Let's open our Bibles, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, 1. And we'll read through verse 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. I'm sorry, through verse 8. We'll read 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 8. We'll read these verses responsibly. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's uh, eternal word, the old King James, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bailey of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. All right, let's look back at verse 6. It says, And when they came to Nacon's fresh threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died. Uh, really sad. By the ark of God. What a place to die. All right. Uh, tonight we're going to speak to you on this subject, four golden rings. Uh, some of you may already know what I'm talking about, but I'll explain it to you. Four golden rings. Um, very significant. God did not tell them to use four wooden wheels. He told them to use four golden rings. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message, and uh, we need your help to preach the word. We pray that we would have boldness as a lion. The word would go forth. We pray that you would help us to receive it. Uh, and pray that it would have an impact on our life, that the word would be precious, it would not fall to the ground. And you, we could say like Samuel, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Help us to be doers of the work and not hearers only, to be blessed in our deed. You know what we need and where we're at. We pray that you'd use this time. Something would be said, some move of your spirit that would uh, change us through sitting under preaching of the Word of God. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Four golden rings. 
Um, we're just going to give you some old-fashioned preaching tonight, very simple. Um, learn a lot of great lessons from this passage. I personally have always loved uh, certain books of the Bible. They're all great. But I, I've always loved the Judges. I've loved Joshua. I've always loved 1st, 2nd Samuel. And I've always learned, uh, loved 1st, 2nd Kings. Um, in a special way, uh, the recorded history of the events uh, of the uh, nation of Israel, all the happenings that took place, all the great truths, all the great lessons which are for us. And it says in Romans 15 that the things which were written aforetime were written for our learning. So these things that happened that God in His eternal Word, it is recorded, it's forever settled in the heaven, and God has exalted His Word above His own name. These things were written for our learning so that we do not have to make the same mistakes. We do not have to commit the same sin. And as Uzzah, we do not have to make the same error. That's the word used here. And so we need to listen very, very carefully. We need to pay attention because uh, everything happens for a reason. There are very, very important truths for us um, in this passage. So in the moving of the ark, God told Israel very specifically that it had to be done a certain way. It could only be moved by the Levites and those in the Levitical priesthood, and it had to be made a certain way out of a certain wood covered with pure gold, and it had to have four rings, one on each corner of the Ark of the Covenant, and the only way that it could be moved was they, they had to take staves of shittim wood, cover them in pure gold. They would slide these uh, staves, what we would think of as a rod, uh, and then there would be a Levite on each corner, and the word is to bear the ark, to lift it up and to carry it. So as Israel was uh, led by the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, wherever that glory of God would settle in the wilderness, that was where God wanted them to camp. And they would pitch camp. They would set up the tabernacle, which really was a type of a tent until the temple was built. They would establish the outer court, uh, the court of the women, court of the Gentiles, and then the holy place, and then the holy of holies. And then the priesthood would be administered. And then when God's will, it was for them to take up camp and move on, they only could move the Ark of the Covenant God's prescribed way. And God told them there were four golden rings, no beginning, no ending, that that staff, those staves would slide between. God's priest and God's priest alone would bear up that ark and carry it to where God wanted it to sit uh, in the next place according to His will. Now, there's some very important lessons for us 
in this story just by way of introduction, and then we'll explain this uh, in a little more detail, Lord willing. First lesson, sincerity is not enough. And you can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. You can have a good intention. You could have compassion. You could have a burden. You could have a good um, attitude in serving God, but unless you do it God's way, God's not going to accept anything that you bring to Him, anything that you sacrifice to Him, any way, form, or fashion that you serve Him, God will not accept it if you're wrong. There is wrong, there is right, there is the way of the world, the way of the flesh and the devil, and there's the way of God, and it's time that we remind ourselves and some of us to get back to taking this book dead serious. Amen. If God said it, He said what He meant, He meant what He said. No exceptions, no compromises, no looking the other way, no sweeping it under the rug, no um, exceptions to the rule except Jesus Christ. Sincerity is not enough. Now, a lot of people think it is. You know, I love the Lord, and I have a great compassion, and God will accept whatever I do for Him and bring for Him, but if it's not scriptural, it's not going to work. Many, many Christians, professing Christians, many church members, many people sitting in churches all over the world tonight are going to have a rude awakening. They tried to do it, the Frank Sinatra way. I did it my way. I served God my way. I was a Christian the worldly way. I gave my life and looked forward to eternity. I was sincere, but sad to say, boy, they were sincerely wrong. What a Amazing verse. They die, he died by the ark of God. You would think he would have been brought to life. And really, this seems a little bit unfair to the liberal. He tried to do a good thing in a wrong way, and God killed him. Did you hear that? He tried to do a right thing, but he did it the wrong way, and God struck him dead. Now, what happened? They put the ark on a new cart pulled by oxen. It was like we would think of as a wagon. It was brand new, just made, probably the best materials they could find. They're moving the, the ark of God, and they're going down the road. Uh, one brother, Ahio's leading the way. The other, Uzzah, is beside this cart, and they begin to hit a rough patch in the road, what we would probably call potholes, and the ark begins to sway and to bounce, and all he wanted to do was protect the ark of God. He was looking out for what he thought the furniture of the Holy of Holies, and all he did was put his hand on it to support it so it would not slide off or bounce off of the cart, and what happened? He died. Well, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. You know, a lot of people get killed by coming to church. 
Don't forget that. Boy, that's a scare. I'm not saying don't come. Uh, better show up. But it's a fearful thing. Fearful thing. Um, you know, God killed Ananias and Sapphira, struck them both dead for lying to how much money they gave to the. They gave money. They lied about how much they gave. Where did that get them? Death. So, first lesson sincerity is not enough. Now, you ought to be sincere and be right. What does that mean? Be biblical. Chapter and verse, thus saith the Lord. The new way is, I did it my way. That's the new way. And it's not new because there's nothing under the sun. Uh, all right. Number two, lesson, very important. Um, there is a danger with familiarity. This is very important. The more that you are around something or someone or some place, the human nature is to be conditioned and to take it lightly and take it for granted. It really is. There is a danger with familiarity. So if you're not careful, you can become too accustomed. You can feel too at home. You can feel too relaxed. Like Brother Hiles used to say, it's going to be a long sermon tonight. You women can take your shoes off. If your pointed high heels are squeezing your toes, you might as well sit there and relax. Uh, you know, you ought to feel at home. You ought to have your own place in the pew. You ought to feel loved and accepted. But it's a fearful thing. Why? This is the house of God. If you don't watch it, you can become too familiar. You will get conditioned. You could become hardened. You could become entitled that you deserve it. You could become ungrateful and unthankful and forget where God has brought you and not remember the pit from wherewith God has digged you up. You could lose your love for God, your first love. You could just go through the motions. You could forget to do the first works as God tells us to get revival. You could lose your zeal. You could lose your fire for God. You could just show up all along lacking the awareness of what's really going on. What's really going on here tonight? Do you realize that God loved you so much that He sent His Son just to die for you? And that's how much God loves you. And you are to treasure that and embrace it and never take it for granted. And this is God's house on God's day. How many people let their kids bend over the pages of the songbook or scribble on the pews or carve their name. We had a guy come to church here for years and I caught him letting him let his kid carve in the pew. Took out a knife and was whittling on God's pew. You know, I won't tell you what happened to him. It's not good. It's not good. Hey, I had, we had, uh, and by the way, we need to have the Lord's Supper very soon. We had Lord's Supper, and we were, you know, this is sanctified, set apart for God. We had too much prepared back in the kitchen. I caught this guy chugging it. He was taking the Lord's Supper cups, just going. I said, man, 
woe be unto you. You know what happened? He went out and committed suicide. And I'm not, it's a fearful thing. This is God we're talking about. It is a, he is a holy God to be feared. Don't take it lightly. You can become too familiar. You know, you can become too familiar with your spouse and, and forget to appreciate they put up with you. Man. Start griping and complaining. Hey, your wife left her family, took your name, had your kids, went through the jaws of death, and puts up with you. Amen. That's one thing. Of course, you're putting up with her, too. Uh, but you better appreciate her. You're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Don't get familiar. You know, with your children, too familiar now, this is a little soul God trusted you with to train up, not to pamper and uh, to have a popularity contest. Train them up in the way they should go. Amen. So, lessons. Sincerity is not enough. You can be sincere and sincerely wrong. You can do a right thing in a wrong way. And there is a very grave danger to familiarity. You know, you can get so familiar with your Bible, you don't appreciate it. That's kind of strange, isn't it? You know, I, I was taught, uh, Brother Howells, way back, use the same Bible. You can memorize where the verses are in the columns. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I can think right now, John 14, it's, I, I think I'm right on, it's the top right column. You know, you can just remember things like that. It helps you find things. Uh, and I have several Bibles that I use for study and things, but it's, it's good to know it. But you can become too familiar in a, in a strange sense. Isn't that so? Next lesson. If we do not do what is acceptable to God, because God is technical, He is very specific, we're not going to do anything that matters. You know, so many people think, well, I have this new idea. God doesn't need any of your new ideas. You don't get any better than the Great Commission. Go ye out two by two and uh, knock doors and see if somebody will receive you. And if you do, let your blessing come on that house. If they don't reject, if they reject Christ in you, knock the dust off your feet and go to the next house. You don't get any deeper than the preaching of the word. You don't get any deeper than Sunday school where you learn the Bible and you sit down in a teacher who loves you, studies, and teaches you the Word of God. You don't get any deeper than that. You don't get any deeper than God's day on, on God's house on God's day. All these people are, well, I want something new. No, there is nothing new. And the Bible says, meddle not with them that are given to change. What is acceptable to God? Very important. Because you cannot touch that which is holy, next lesson, and not suffer the consequences. So God is a holy God. That means separate from sin. He cannot be tempted to sin. He tempteth no man to sin. He cannot be in the presence of sin. He will utterly cast sin and sinners from Him at the great white throne judgment. Once something is holy, 
It is separate from sin. It is sanctified or set apart to God. Set apart. So what does that mean? This pulpit is set apart for the teaching and the preaching of God's holy word. That's it. And the fellowship and, you know, the moderation of uh, certain events and the uh, officiating of events and, and the church service, but singing um, spiritual songs and hymns, not little ditties, not rap and rolla. Is that what it's called? Not George Strait, who's crooked. You know, not Bing Crosby or whatever his name was. Not worshiping Christmas or Satan Halloween or and not trying to overemphasize Thanksgiving once a day a year when you're supposed to be thankful in all things every day of the year. It's very, very important. So your Thanksgiving, your money, your tithes and offerings, your praises to the Lord. Your singing to the Lord, your meditation on about Him in your heart, and the words that come out of your mouth. This priesthood is God-ordained. It's in the law of God. It is very technical and specific, and only what is done according to this book will God accept. So if you touch that which is holy... You're going to suffer. Now, what is the Bible? Just a couple things. The tithe is holy. And I don't preach on money much. You know that. We have great offerings. I'm very thankful. But we need to remember the tithe belongs to God whether you give it to Him or not. So if you steal the tithe, the Bible says you have robbed God. You stole from God. You are a thief it's one of the most satanic things you can do because the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But a lot of people think, well, why didn't God bless me? Well, are you touching that which is holy? Have you touched it? Did you take it? Well, why am I always coming up short? Well, why don't you smell the coffee and it's a double espresso? Um, it's not Maxwell Hell. It's not Folger's Crystals. I don't know if that's the real. I guess it is. Isn't that what they sank it? You know, they took it to the moon. Uh, yeah. You ever heard that story where, I don't know, it's a good illustration, even if it's not true. NASA spent millions of dollars developing a pencil that would write up in outer space with their Sanka coffee. And uh, Russia said, we'll just go up there with a pencil and write with a pencil. Uh, I, don't, I think that was one of those government programs. If you can get on one of those, boy, you got it made. Um, so the case in point, how is the ark to be moved? By only the Levites. How? So let, let me explain this to you. The ark was a piece of furniture. Uh, we have the dimensions of that. I won't have you turn to it in Exodus chapter 25, 10 through 15. It could only be made of one type of wood, shittim wood. Now, you, you know what the average liberal would say? What's the big deal? We can make it out of oak. 
What's, I know it says shit him. Does, is it really that important? Yeah, it's that important. If God said shit him wood, you make it out of shit him wood. And then it had to be a certain size. Cubits is approximately 18 inches or the size of length from your elbow to the tip of your fingers. Had to be an exact size of the dimensions. It had to be covered with pure gold. And then it had to have four rings of gold, one at each corner. They were to take shittim wood rods or staves, cover them with pure gold, slide it through those, and then a Levite would be on each corner. They would lift it up to bear the ark. They had to walk all through the wilderness, wherever God led them to go, walk, bearing up the weight of the ark, following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. On top of that was the mercy seat and the cherubim. And inside of this, there were three very important things. There was a copy of the commandments. There was a pot full of manna. And then there was Aaron's rod that budded. And so great truths are within that ark. The, the bud of this dead branch resurrected is the power of God and the miracles of the resurrected life. You're not going to get that without the law of God, and you're not going to get that without the manna that fell from heaven on a daily basis. It's, it's referring to the daily walk with God. What you learn today is not good enough for tomorrow. What you learn today is not good enough for Tuesday or Wednesday. You have to walk with your God. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So the ark, very specific. It says in Numbers chapter 1, 50 and 51, that the Levites only could bear it, and there was four golden rings. Now, you know what the liberal would say? We don't need to cover this in gold, do we? Yeah, you better cover it in gold. Well, we don't have to make it out of oak. Alder's a really good wood. You know, we could use teak wood. Is that in the Bible? Uh, we could use pecan or walnut. No, God said you should them wood. Why don't you believe what God said and have the fear of the Lord and quit trying to explain away the deep truths of God? Accept it. It'll change your whole life. And so then they would say, well, do they have to be Levites? Why couldn't a, a Jew, uh, somebody out of Benjamin carry it? Or why couldn't somebody out of Judah carry it? Because God said they had to be out of Levi. Do we get that? Now, David made two big sins. He committed two horrible sins. So remember, he was doing a good thing, trying to move the ark up to Jerusalem to build the house of God eventually. And so the first sin he committed, he forgot to consult God. You know, usually he would bring a linen ephod. It was like a, we would think of as a shawl or a blanket. He would put it on the ground. He would get on his knees and seek the Lord. Lord, what should I do? Should I, where should I go? How should I do this? Should I do this? He would consult God. 
before he did anything. You know what he did in this? Nothing. He just had a good idea. Hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, I've never heard that. Let's, we want to do this. It's, we have good intention. He did not seek God if he should move the ark or how he should move the ark. The second sin he committed, he used the Philistine worldly method. Now, you remember when Israel trusted in the ark and they sent that forth to battle against the Philistines and the Philistines stole the ark. Remember that? And then God judged the Philistines. They all got emeralds and the golden mice. Uh, study that one. And uh, they said, we need to get this ark out. How did they send it back to Israel? On a cart. They, this is the worldly way to move the ark of God. With what? Four wheels. God didn't say use four wheels. God said use four golden rings. So important. The godly way is the right way, which is the Bible way, and you can mark it down. You're always going to have a satanic, worldly, fleshly, another way. Another way. So, you either have the blessing or the curse. You have God's way or man's way. So then we take it a step further. You always have the diligent way. Be diligent. Earnestly contend for the faith. Or be sober-minded. Be dead serious with the things of God. Because if you're not, there's only one other way. Casual. And, you know, I heard that saying a long time ago. It's just a saying. But... If you're casual, you're most likely going to end up a casualty on the battlefield. You're going to get wounded. You're going to get knocked out of action. Why? Because you were not serious in the things of God. So, what is the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. God said it. That's the big deal. You say, but does it really matter? Oh, yeah. It matters between life and death. It matters between heaven and hell. You know, you know this goes with this morning's message a little bit, but you think about all the people who think they're going to go to heaven because they got baptized. You don't go to heaven because you get dunked in water. If you believe that, you went under the water a, a sinner and you came up maybe a little bit cleaner sinner, but you're still going to hell. Has nothing to do with going to heaven. You know how many people think that? Well, I took Holy Communion and the priest did some hocus pocus, turned this wafer into the body of Christ and I cannibalized Jesus Christ. You know, you ever notice they sit there, open their tongue. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. You ever notice... Uh, only the priest and the altar boys get the wine in, a, in real Latin. Yeah, and, and one of my friends we led to Christ, um, his mother owned a Catholic bookstore and sold all the crosses and the rosaries and the statues and the candles. He, he was studying to be an altar boy. I said, what's going on with this? How come they only get the wafer? Where's the juice? He said, because we're back there in the priest going, uncle, 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 uncle. 
Yeah, and they're not using Welsh's grape juice either. Uh, it's uh, MD 2020. No. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, t Boone's Farm Tickle Pink. No, he, he, he was there. He was studying. He got saved out of that. Amen. He got saved out of that. It's an amazing thing. And not only that, he was Lebanese. I mean, this is unbelievable. He was born out of an anti-Semite family, Catholic. God, God can save anybody. You don't know how that happened? Knocking doors. Somebody, some of you ought to try that for a change. Uh, it works. So, what did they do wrong? They had zeal without knowledge. A lot of zeal. Ignorance. You know, Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. They're almost like it says, a cake half turned. Um, you ever eaten a pancake where it's only cooked on one side? What would you think of that? Your wife's cooking you up some good fluffy buttermilk pancakes or whatever on the griddle. And uh, they're the thick ones. One side is good and brown, and she doesn't flip it over, and she just gives you the plate with all the raw dough. Here's the butter, honey, and here's the, the syrup. Uh, and it's log cam, but no, it's Aunt Jemima's. Oh, you, anyway, and, uh, and uh, I'm not eating that. Yeah. Well, what, what makes you think God's going to accept zeal without knowledge and you're a cake half turn and you want to do something good, but you don't even know what's in the Bible? It got him killed. It's a sad thing. So you think about the old timey tradition of our fathers. We're not supposed to forsake the ancient of days forever settled in the heavens. The great I am, always present throughout eternity in real time. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And too many people have wheels instead of golden rings, and they're trying to figure out some other way. And by the grace of God, we're not going to do it. You know how many churches have a, uh, uh, an old, uh, old people service and then a contemporary service? Because we need to get more youth, and so they bring in a rock band, and they bring in some country and western guy or something, and uh, all these electrical instruments, and they um, use uh, technology to distort the sounds and things. Uh, we're not going to do it. You know, there's churches that have black lights and those disco balls. Uh, there's churches that have um, ATM machines, and uh, you get to pick what type. You know, this is true. Up in Chicago, you get to sign up for what type of service you like. You can have a rock concert. You can have opera. You can have hip-hop rap. You can have Latino. You can have uh, liberalism. Um, or you can have traditional. You know what they mean by traditional? You're out of date, buddy. You are a Cro-Magnon. You're a dinosaur. You're obsolete. 
we're moving on. Don't you, and you when I was here, don't you know this is the 90s? I remember that. Don't you know this is the 80s? Don't you know this is 2000, 2002? Yeah, we're already up to the 20s. Well, don't you know this book is God's Word? Are you, do you think God is going to change for you? No, He's not. The difference between life and death. So the social club, these people couldn't preach their way out of a paper bag. They're afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid of their wife. Um, they join the ministerial alliance. They look for new ways. You, you ever heard the old saying, you know, Texans, it's sad to say we're kind of catching up socially, which is a bad thing, and uh, technologically. But they used to have a saying, Texas, we always got it a little late, maybe six months. You know, it, it took a while to get here, but now because of the Internet, I think everything travels faster. But Texas got it from L.A. L.A. got it from New York. New York got it from Gay Putty. And Gay Putty got it from the pit of hell. Yep. And you know where this book came from? Right out of the mouth of Almighty God. And He's not changing. And it's inspired, and it is inerrant, and it's preserved, and God is not changing. And you'd be surprised how many people are out there looking for the real thing. So many people are uh, in an apostate social club, and they know it. And a lot of them, I've talked to them. They say, I know you're right, but they're afraid to leave. They're afraid to leave. Uh, many people in big businesses in this town have told me, I know you're right. I had a guy come that was a famous Episcopalian, uh, had a boys' home, a Bible college. He brought them to church one time many years ago. He said, I'm telling you, this is the only church in town where God's moving. And I'm not saying that now. I don't even know that, and it doesn't matter to me. But that's what he said. And I said, well, see you next Sunday then. If that's the truth and you know it, yeah, he's afraid of his wife. Yeah. Uh, people want revival, but they don't want to stand up to anybody or anything. Four rings. Four rings. Four golden rings. Not four wooden wheels. The Bible is true. Let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes.